I'm Jared. Really glad that you're here today. I get to start a new series this fall about uh, Unto Us. And uh, I just uh, really jazzed about getting to share this talk with you. Uh, regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey today, I think you're going to find um, this uh, talk uh, helpful for you. I think you're going to engage with it some ways. And maybe you haven't come to a place of being uh, fully convinced uh, to be a Christ follower, but you're interested today, and at least will help you make sense about some of those funny people that are around you that have made that full-blown decision as well. So we're all going to move forward today toward God, and that's what this talk is all about, God with us. You know, uh, if you don't have one of the outlines that I worked really, really hard to develop for you, it would make me feel better if you took one right now. Ushers are coming down, they're holding them up, and you raise your hand for 50 cents, they'll give you one of those. They don't make change, they do take credit cards. No, 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 they they're absolutely free. It's like the coffee around here. You've heard me say, I guarantee three things. It's fresh, it's hot, it's free. No guarantees about the taste. Not at all. That's very, very subjective. Yeah. Well, let me ask a couple of questions. Get ready to take a poll with me. Get your voting hand out. How many of you, how many of you have not bought one Christmas gift yet? Oh, the proud, the brave, the procrastinators. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, yeah. How many of you are done? Done. Oh. Oh. We came today for encouragement. Come on. Come on, yeah. How many of you have been asked for a Christmas list and you haven't produced one yet? Well, I'm here for you today. I checked out some favorite gifts for this year. Check it out with me, number one. If you have a young woman in your life that likes dolls... You can buy these eight dolls and a limited edition dollhouse for $8,000. And the eighth doll, by Skype, is curated into her likeness with her hair and her eyes and her looks. Some of you are taking notes right now. Yeah. Some of you are saying, that's a grandparent gift. Yeah. <laughs> not only, grand, not only grand, no, any grandparents that I know. Uh, maybe you have a boarder in your family and would like a new skateboard. By the way, this Hermes board comes in either long or short. At your convenience, the price is the same, $3,850. There we go. I don't know where the $50 came from, but Hermes is happy to help you. I know that we're not supposed to buy appliances for Christmas. Any of you got the memo on that one? Yeah. But you can have one of these refrigerators for $50,000. One of them, yeah. Beautiful, aren't they? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, this is a Dolce and uh, uh, Gabbana uh, rendition, and you can pick the master of your preference, including Michelangelo. And how many of you would like one of those refrigerators in your house? Yeah, genie, all right. How many of you would prefer the 50 grand? Yeah, I know you. I, I know you, yeah. Now, for those of you that haven't completed your wish list, it just could be that if you had the courage, an ATV would be on it. Take a look at this one. Matching, if you are a set, a couple.
<laughs> well, by the way, do you want to know where those are available? From the Russian military. Uh, not, not entirely accessible this year, but uh, <laughs> some of you are getting ready for next year. There we go, yeah. Well, uh, pretty ridiculous, isn't it? And it's kind of fun to poke fun at ourselves and in how this, uh, this gift of a baby who came born in a barn uh, ended up being culturally uh, evolving into a really extravagant uh, interest in material stuff. But, you know, I think this, this may also illustrate for us a point as we talk about God with us today that most of us during this season feel that some things are inaccessible to us. They're just outside of our reach. I suppose especially if you have kids that are old enough to know what their peers are getting or might be getting, you feel some of that pressure as well. I wonder if some of us today might feel that about our talking about God and experiencing Him. Maybe kind of inaccessible, just outside of our reach. And the talk today is going to be helpful for all of us. And there's three things that we're going to do this morning. We're going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to give this talk about God with us. And then uh, some of uh, those of you that have just finished 10 weeks of Rooted, uh, an opportunity where you've been hanging out with 12 new friends or so and going through 10 weeks of just an amazing transformational time, uh, you're going to come one by one onto the platform here with your cardboard testimony, and you're going to give us a before and after picture. It's going to be absolutely profound and moving. And then Marley and the band are going to lead us in that new song that we learned together a moment ago, Emmanuel, giving you an opportunity to reflect on what God is saying to you today because he's planning to speak to each one of us. So let's start with the traditional story of Christmas. Our source material for that is the first part of the New Testament, the books that we call the Gospels. They each take a different point of view. Matthew's point of view is kind of from Joseph's uh, viewpoint, and Luke gives us Mary's perspective, and Mark, uh, he's in a hurry all of the time, and so he just jumps right into Jesus' adult life and water baptism. And then John probably writes several years after those three earlier writers, and he kind of dials back and gives us a 30,000-foot level view of what's happening, and he does a remarkable thing because he presents the birth of Jesus, God's Son coming to earth, as almost a simultaneous event with the creation of the world and the preeminent God and the Trinitarian God being present and in full communion with himself in the beginning of creation itself. John starts in John chapter 1, verse 1 by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Pause. Word is a title for Jesus. It means to give voice to or to create meaning for. It tells us that this pre-existing God was in communion with himself and Jesus was present and engaged at the very beginning of the world. Christmas was not the first night Jesus came to planet Earth. He was here in it's creation. Let's continue. In him, this word, this Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines into darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The implication is that 
this light and life came into darkness and that the darkness isn't completely gone yet. Have you noticed that? We live in a troubled place. Uh, Raging, continuing, multi-decade wars in the Middle East. Today, hundreds if not thousands of children will starve in Yemen. In our own country, the increase of political extreme viewpoints and the increase of senseless violence. There is still darkness. Let's personalize it. Is there still some darkness left in your life? Some places for light to push again. The good news of Christmas is that Jesus came as life to bring life to things that are dying and decaying. And in that life, he represents it as light to push back against the darkness And even in the next few minutes today as we're engaging with God's word and his spirit, what Jesus is doing right now in your life is he is pressing against darkness to bring more of his light there. Let's continue as John says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son of God who came from the father full of grace and truth. Wow. So this is the fundamental message of Christmas. I want to be with you, so I came to you. I want to be with you, so I came to you. I want to be with you, So I came to you. That's the good news of Christmas. Hmm. So what did that look like on the very first Christmas night? Well, you've all seen nativity sets. Some of you have already put yours out. So you know the key players, right? There's Mary, Joseph, there's the baby. There's some wise men, there's some animals. And then if you're smart, there's the shepherds. And they're quite a ways away from the rest of the deal because they stink. They're smelly. And here's the irony about uh, the shepherds. It's not just that there's hope for you smelly guys, though that can be read in there, I understand. But it tells us in Luke chapter 2 that, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were thrilled, of course. No, they they were what? Terrified, yeah. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is Lord. I know that the message of the angel is the big deal in the story. But you know the big deal in the story. I want to take a minute to find you and me in this story. Nobody started out life wanting to be a shepherd. When the five-year-old was asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? He did not say, a shepherd. They lived life as isolated outcasts. The religious leaders saw no value in them and were as a waste of their time. They were considered unworthy, unclean, 
Their work caused them to not keep the Sabbath. They were ceremonially unclean. They truly were outsiders of society, physically, socially, relationally, and religiously. Hmm. Some of you may feel a little shepherd-like this year. Not all that Christmassy. Maybe not very religious. Your list of deficiencies might include, I'm, I'm not well enough informed. I have an adequate education. I, I see other people find their way around the Bible, and I don't even know which side to read from. I, I'm not all that together. Maybe the metaphor of your life is you live next door to the Griswolds and you have lame decorations. The substance of your life is that you live around people that seem to be pretty together and you don't feel that at all. Or maybe you feel like an imposter here today, wondering why you're really here with these people who look so together. What they would say to you, of course, is if you only knew my story you would find yours in it as well. You know, I, just for fun, I checked to see what were the lowest valued occupations in our country in terms of honesty. Would you like to know the bottom two? I don't want to offend anybody. I'm just reporting the survey. The next to the bottom one was people who sell cars. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. The very last one, the very least trusted people in terms of honesty in our culture, what job is that? Congress. I'm just reporting the facts here. And to be fair, I have to tell you that pastors are 15th from the bottom out of 25. Yeah. I have nothing to say about that. Actually, I do. See, I just lied. There we go. That's, uh, that's it. Is. You want to know what number one is? Nurses. Huh? How many nurses here today? Yeah? Hand? Yeah? Awesome. I won't tell you what two and three are, but did I mention the pastors are 15 from the bottom? Here we go. Yeah. Shepherds felt unloved because they were. Many of them had a record and a rap sheet. They were thieves. They were ex-cons. No one wanted his or her daughter to marry a shepherd. They were unworthy. They were unreligious. They were inadequate. They were unloved. What if someone stepped into that and changed that? What if someone came to them first and says, you're first on my list instead of last? What if God chose them as the preferred ones to hear the angel message? This is profound. Shepherds were considered so unreliable that they were not allowed to testify as witnesses in court. When God chose his first witnesses of the birth of his son, he went to those very shepherds. Hmm. God picks them first. You know, they probably experience what most humans do. There's really, when we're honest, a sense of a spiritual gap between us and God. You felt that. Humans generally try to fill that gap in one of three ways. The first is to, is to do good things. <laughs> if I'm good enough, 
The good is going to outweigh the bad. You're familiar with that one. By the way, how good are we? We're about 55 percentile, right? Just good enough to be over half. That's how we rate ourselves. Or secondly, we get religion, and we do the religious thing pretty well. And, and if we're really motivated, we do the third thing, which is to blend the two. We do the religious thing, and we make sure that we do good things. The problem was that humans never fill the gap. The story in the message of Christmas is all about the gap. The bad news is we are far distant from God, though he's not far from us, and that our efforts to come closer are never helpful efforts. But the good news of Christmas is that God closed the gap. God said, I want to be with you, and so I am going to come to you, closing the gap. But I think many people settle for far less than this. And I I think there's four ways that we tend to have these human operating systems in trying to figure out how to relate to God. And as I move through these four things that are actually efforts that I think create distance rather than closeness with God, I think you're going to find some of your story in it. In fact, in the last couple of weeks while I've been preparing this talk, I did my own audit. And I asked myself, Jared, in the last few months, which of these have you given what amount of attention toward? I don't think all of us flip a switch and end up with the fifth one that is going to be the great reveal in a moment. But see if you find yourself in one of these approaches that keep us disconnected with from God. The first one's this, life over God. This is where we're unaware of God or we just do what we want when we want it. I think many, many people, including many Christians, compartmentalize their lives. I do school or I do work. Or I do home. I do neighborhood. I do friends. Maybe, maybe I do God. And in this way of compartmentalizing where I do life over God, we can actually be agnostic Christians. I know it sounds like an oxymoron. But Christians, in terms of intellectual belief, agnostic in terms of living our life in a way as though God really wasn't there. We express the use of our time and our sexuality and our finances and our resources and our decision-making as though he weren't there, life over God. I think, secondly, there's a possibility of life under God. And for them, life is a, God is a cranky dictator, He is just waiting for you to misbehave so he can bring his wrath on you. I kind of think maybe a person from this view of God wrote this familiar Christmas song that some of you have used to try to convince your children they should behave better. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. God is coming to town. Yeah. You, uh, he's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. God's coming to town. He sees when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. You better watch out. Some of you have been there. One of the things that I often hear from guests who come and visit Evergreen, we get to connect in the lobby or maybe later that week over coffee, is something like this. I just was so refreshed 
about what you all seem to believe about God. For those of us that have come from really strict kinds of religious backgrounds where maybe the list of don'ts was a lot longer than the list of do's, we can have this experience with God living life under God. Or how about the third possibility of life from God? This is where we primarily use God as an ATM machine to see what we can get from him. Our prayers are very self-motivated. And if we really have life from God on steroids, he's not only an ATM machine, but if you put 10 bucks in, he's obligated to give $100 back. And this is where I'll just mention to you, watch out for some TV preachers that have puffy hair. Because they are happy to be God's brokers in that regard. If you send them the 10 bucks, God is obligated to give you the 100 back. We're going to pick on people, but you know you have been there. And what's the problem with this choice of getting from God? It is that you are still in the center of the universe. And the Emmanuel that was promised was a Messiah who is Jesus Christ the Lord. Any prepositional approach to God that does not put him in the center and you being drawn into him somehow actually will distance you over time. The fourth possibility is life for God. And this is where God is a rigorous personal trainer who drinks eight Red Bulls before each session. Now listen, Marley's listening in. Marley, I think CrossFit is wonderful. I don't do it. I personally don't throw tires around. But I, I, I've heard that it's wonderful. But folks, you can't CrossFit train 24-7. And if your relationship with God is one where he only relates to you because of what you can and do for him, you're going to find your Christmas one of fatigue and tired and exhausted and incomplete and unfulfilled because God didn't come to you just for what you could do. I talked with a business owner this last week, wonderful Christian guy, and he was frustrated because 2017 has been a tough year in many ways for he and his family. And he said to me, he said, I've been telling God, look at all of what I've been doing for you. Hmm. What's his operating system? God for you. Well, the good news of Christmas is that there's a new way. And the gift of Christmas is this. It's life with God. That's the Emmanuel. Here's the Christmas story. A loving God who's most concerned for you sent his only son to live and die and rise for you so that you could have life and light, freedom and forgiveness, life with God. As I have gotten older, which has been happening for decades, by the way, (laughs) parenthetically, can you believe that this is the ninth Christmas that Anna and I are with you at Evergreen? Amazing. That was very kind. And some of you felt awkward about, should we applaud that? Yeah. Should we encourage this behavior? Yeah. I understand. I understand. As we've gotten older, isn't it true that 
as little kids, Christmas was a lot about presents with the tea. But that as we get older, that it's the presence with the S, E, that becomes more important for us. In fact, don't we give gifts to those that we love? Isn't the act of generosity generally toward people that we have relationship with? And isn't this the grand story of Christmas? God's saying to you, before you cared, I want a relationship with you. And so I am going to make that possible by giving the Christmas gift of presence. By introducing back into planet Earth, my son. The angel said to Joseph, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The real present of Christmas is God's gift of Jesus. Now, God is always near you. He has always been near you. But your experience of being with him is your choice to receive him. So if you let him, he'll be with you. He'll be with you in your job. He'll be with you at school. He'll be with you in your home. He'll be with you in your hobbies. He'll be with you in your friends. But not if it's life over God or life under God or life from God or life for God, but this life and light is experienced in life with God. Let me wrap up this talk with Three things that I believe you can absolutely count on no matter what. Number one, Jesus knows what you are going through. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. I, I, I know. You say to him, but I'm struggling financially right now. And he says, I was born poor and in a disgraceful barn. You say, I'm experiencing chronic physical pain. He says, I experienced excruciating pain on the cross for you. You say, but I've been betrayed by people that I thought were my friends. And he says, I've been there. Well, I'm going to be facing the holidays and I'm going to be around families and engaged with families and my family does not get me. And he says, I get that. One thing you can count on is that Jesus knows what you're going through. The second thing is, no matter what you've done, Jesus still loves you. Yeah. Here's the truth. Everyone can decide to follow Jesus, but no one can misbehave enough to get away from God. His love is relentless. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus knows what you're going through. No matter what you've done, Jesus still loves you. And the third thing you can count on is, no matter how you feel, there is hope. 
I talk to people all the time who have come from so many different places of life, and they all have the same story. God met them and showed up with them wherever they were. The prophet Isaiah said this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These names that are all-encompassing that I think say to us, whatever you're experiencing, whatever your particular need, Jesus is God's solution for that. He came as life and light. He came to bring forgiveness and freedom. He is Emmanuel, God with us. I don't know how 2017 is wrapping up for you. Uh, Ann and I have had some pretty big curves thrown our way. Uh, the rumor is out that we like to plan things. I want you to know that so far 2017 has included several things I haven't planned. Any of you with me on that? Yeah. We don't know what the future holds. Life has surprises to us. 2017 didn't turn out perfectly for any of us. But I know this. We are not alone. God is not distant. He is not far away. The good news of Christmas is a baby came to live in a manger who became a king who died on a cross, who became a victorious Lord when he rose from the dead. And his name is Emmanuel, so that you would believe that he's God with us. God with you. If you've been living life over God or life under God or life from God or life for God, I invite you to make a decision this day to live life with God. He is already near. Invite his life and his light and his forgiveness. I mentioned that in the last 10 weeks that about 160 of you have been involved in Rooted, which is a 10-week transformational experience based in groups with 12 people that you probably didn't know at all or well when you started and 12 wonderful new friends as a result. And part of the Rooted celebration is to share part of our story of transformation by writing on one side of a piece of cardboard what we experienced at the beginning of that and then flipping over to the after story and picture We've asked some of the rooted graduates that just finished up last week if they would share their silent and profound stories of change with you today. And then Marley and the band are going to lead us in that new song that we started learning earlier about Emmanuel. And as we sing that, would you reflect about what God is saying to you today and about what your response to that is?